The following episode are views of Mike and Scott only. Yeah, it's going to be that good of a show. So, Mike, things have come up in the past few weeks, and on the heels of our Poison Hemlock show, this is an alert episode. Kind of like our army worms from last year, wasn't it? Yes, and the bagworms from the year before. Yeah, it's, it's seasonal. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to discuss foxtail barley. And enlighten. And enlighten. I mean, we're learning on this, too. A lot of people are learning in Ohio right now about it. Because citizens, municipalities, uh, states, etc. What has happened, everybody, in our neck of the woods is a, a city on the outskirts of a farmland has come under fire from foxtail barley turning into seed and blowing like cottonwood, blowing snow in some areas in a, a dense area of two to four feet around these fences of photos I've seen. And what's really happening and what we really want to push and the concern is, is animals are ingesting voluntarily or involuntarily, I will add, the seed. Well, the seed has barbs and the barbs catch into their throat and they have respiratory issues. It's a hefty vet bill and some of them don't make it. So this is what we want to say. If you need to look up and start teaching yourself about foxtail barley, do it now. Yeah, if you're going to be moving into the burbs that are in old farm fields that they're developing houses on, you're going to have um, perennial and annual weeds popping up. One of the perennial ones, which means that it's coming up year after year after year, is the foxtail barley. Um it looks like wheat, uh, and each year, if there's a little crop of it, it gets bigger and bigger, both rhizomaceously, which means from the root system as well as from the seed. Now, this is not considered a noxious weed in all the states except for two uh, at present. Now, people generally in the this suburb um, have been concerned for a while about this, but now they decided that, well— I don't know if it was a major concern for a while. It just happens to be right now that it's a yes. concern. And they're, they're, they're raising all sorts of, you know, I don't want to say wives' tales because that sounds, first of all, not right or proper. At first it sounded like Chicken Little, the sky is falling. Right, but right. Okay, that's as cool. I, as I do more research into this, I'm getting more impressed with all parties involved about professionalism. All, all of them. From the homeowners to, let's just say, the city council to the state of Ohio. Uh, the way that they're working this out, I think, is great. Initially, people were going, boom, I want something done about this now. Well, and they, to a degree, they still are a bit. For those that don't understand that, so this foxtail barley has blown into a neighbor's yards in an area right on the edge of a farm field and... The area is, I mean, come on, we're Ohio here. It's farm fields. This is like a, an episode of city meets farmer type of deal. 
So all that stuff is blown in. Can't put a fence up because things blow. So you're yeah. not, not going to protect anybody. Animals have gotten hurt, and the citizens are like. Well, you don't want their children to get hurt either. No. I mean, they don't want to get hurt themselves, people with right. respiratory problems. Nobody wants anybody to get hurt. Right. The question, the thing is, is that there's a couple things. There's many things here. At first, people were like, oh, come on. You guys are complaining for no reason. Just be smart about this. You big crybabies, right? Is that what they're saying? Yes. Yes. And when you choose to live near a farmland, you know, you need to educate yourself about what could happen when I choose to live here? The world is not black and white. The world is a trillion shades of gray. So you have to be smart about where you're living. Yeah, let's use an analogy. I mean, if we're going to go out into another portion of the United States where there's, you know, a wooded area, it's beautiful, serene, um, and then people's pets end up coming up missing at nighttime. They think that people are either stealing them or Fluff went for a walk. Well, that's not necessarily true. They're finding out more and more that the indigenous animals are moving back in to the wooded areas that they used to live hundreds of years ago. And they're they're going out and they're hunting. hunting. Yeah, they're hunt, hunting. So Well, you know. and, a, and a lot of this is government-protected animals that are like, hey, we need to bring these back. Right. You know, indigenous. And, and I related the story when I was trying to explain it to Mike in the beginning. It's like... If you live in Florida and you have a little pond near you and you have a little dog, um, you know, if a gator gets it, that's part of living in Florida. I mean, you're not removing gators. Or, you know, I'm not or making Crocs a lot of this. Yeah. Who's ever down there? I mean, that guy's a little bit bigger than me. It's, right, right. No, it's not funny. The thing is, it's just the fact of life of where you live. I yes. mean, it. it's, I mean, come on, everybody. This isn't, it's still almost like, the show Naked and Afraid, you still live with Mother Nature. You get to still, let's say you moved to Oklahoma, Kansas. You know, you're in tunnel, you're in Tornado Valley, Tornado Tunnel yes. Valley. I mean, I built this house here because I wanted to be safe and secure, but how are you going to predict when a tornado comes? Now, I don't want to cause or leave cause for Foxtail to be considered as detrimental as, as a tornado, NF4 tornado. What I do want to do is enlighten people that, yeah, if you wish to move to a, let's, let's consider, you know, any of the suburbs. Now, this town is really beautiful. This town is really secure. This town is a, is a, is a town that people want to move to. Mm -hmm. And when they move there, it's, it's safe, secure, and they're, you know, I have to say, they're, they're getting what they're, they're putting into it. And then some. And this is one of the and then sums. You live next to a farm field. Let's say three years down the line, you let the thing rest and it's a no-till farmland you're going to find that you're going to get some other things that are on the toxic list of plants or the noxious uh, list of plants in your state. What should you do if you find out that you've got poison ivy lurking around all over the place? Do, is it your responsibility or is it the city's? Now, come on. I mean, if you got it coming in your property, that I would say is your property because the city cannot come onto your property and dispose of the poison ivy. In this case, though, point of origin was one piece of property. Right. So I commend, after doing research, I commend this group, the residents, who uh, some of them are still... Well, they're still, concerned. I mean, yeah. they're, they're upset. I get that. But most of them have taken a very responsible 
business-like manner of saying, hey, city council, city council has taken a step with the state of Ohio. They have gotten an answer. Basically, the answer is we're working on it. We will consider making it or consider your request for making it or designating it a noxious weed. So this comes, and then this is the only part that got Mike and I upset in the beginning was you have one city determining for the rest of the state what is noxious weed or not. Yeah. Is this going to set a precedent throughout the rest of the state or is this just a fluke? And I'm not going to say a fluke because, yeah, okay, a person was farming this property. The person farming the property should or does have the responsibility of making sure that any nauseous weeds are eliminated. And from what I understand, according to what the farm person said, that it was a wet season and they could not they could not apply the application at the time of the year necessary to control the foxtail for this year. Because this is the first year that this has gone, I'm going to say viral. Yeah. I mean, it's not electronic, but it's a viral situation where a lot of people are involved. Yeah. Um, Some people from the state have looked at that particular field and said, well, maybe it's a couple years of neglect that, um, but this comes down to here we go with uh, corporate America. The owner is not the farmer. Right. So the landowner has subleased it to the farmer, you know, so then you get into who is really responsible for what, what was written in the lease agreement, you know. But according to the state, that the uh, person that is, that owns the property is responsible for controlling the noxious weeds. So there you go. All right. Uh, But see, foxtail barley is not is not, not considered noxious as of today as of right now that's right so i mean it's it's i don't want to say it's a moot scenario and it is of concern i mean the previous years scott and i have been bringing to the attention a number of people like the bagworm like the army worm that flew in from the what was it the ozone and then came down and dropped yeah. in northwest ohio the in south. the midwest from the south blew up from the south on the hurricane and then now this <laughs> i mean each one of these with the exception of the hemlock um, let's just say the, the bagworm, yeah, a little bit of problem, that's, but I think it's under a little bit more control than it was in previous years. And it's not a health issue to humans or animals. No. It's just a gar- no. garden nuisance. When the army worm came in, that's done. That was a one-shot deal. We yeah. haven't seen or heard anything. And the state officials did say it's probably only going to be here one year. Now, with this foxtail, this is unique, being that, yes, it has created a health problem with animals. With, and the vets see this all the time, but they have to surgically remove the barbs. And someone said that a child had some in there that they had to go in council, the council that they had in the meeting with, that they surgically had to remove the barbs from a couple or two barbs from the lungs of children. Now, I don't know if that's totally accurate or if that was something that, you know, we wanted to pay heed to or somebody wanted to throw out to... Uh, you know, just to get everybody rolling on this and get everybody upset. Right. I mean, if it gets worse next year, then it could be 
more human related than animal related. The the state pets. person didn't seem to think it was much of a major concern because last year nobody was concerned about this. Right. It's, and and the the one gentleman from uh, Ohio basically said, "I I rarely hear anything about foxtail barley." Right. You know, in right. in all these years that he's been doing it, it's a handful of times he's heard complaints about it. So I don't know if this is the start of something bigger statewide, if if this town can control it and we call it good for a while and then just kind of a kind of a message to farmers and landowners out there like, well, you know, this it's a precedent has been, I don't want to say set, but maybe shaped, molded. There are metro parks around in every state right now in every city. Uh, in the metro parks, you're supposed to leave things there as they are, natural. For instance, a group of friends of mine and I in our college years, we wanted to make uh, dandelion wine. So we went to a metro park. We grabbed as many dandelions as we could, put them in bushel baskets when we're leaving the park. Ranger comes up and says, you got to dump them right here. Why? Because he can't take anything off of the property. Well, from that natural, um, let's say, metro park, people's backyards butt up to a beautiful lake. But guess what comes in with the lake? You got critters that want to come in. Again, fluffy's going to be a problem. Or you got bird poop that's going to be all over the place. These are, these are uh, aquatic birds. Or you get grasses. You get other weeds that have a tendency to want to infiltrate people's backyards. And they wanted to sue the metro park system to prevent or to at least control this where they're not supposed to because in their charter, these are indigenous plants. These are indigenous animals. So the homeowner is going to be responsible for controlling that, including critters that come in. You got too many chipmunks, your responsibility to take care of them. You got skunks coming in, your responsibility to take care of them. You can't take care of them out in the park. So stop it. So it comes down to location, location, location when you're buying a home. You're getting what not, you pay for. Not, not just because for all the bonuses you get, hey, I got a park next to me. This is going to be great. We're going to walk. They don't take that into consideration, they? Do don't they? take the negative aspect of living in a park or by a school with school buses coming by at 7 in the morning. You, you, this is responsibility of the people owning a home, buying a home, looking for a home. You need to... I mean, I know it's exciting and it's stressful, but initially I was thinking, you know, when I heard this about the uh, the, the foxtail, I was thinking that the people that were complaining are going to use the city council as their own, let's say, uh, homeowners association. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, this is something. Well, come on, guys, let's let's look into this a little bit deeper. And I was ready to pounce, but these homeowners did the right thing. They went to council, and they the property owners. They went to council. They expressed their concerns. Council did act. Now, two weeks prior to the final, you know, I don't want to say judgment, that when they brought it to council's attention, council had talked to their um, legal staff. They contacted the state of Ohio. They contacted the people in charge of the Department of Agriculture, and the Department of Agriculture replied quickly to them. Now, being had they not done that, they'd still be out there grabbing each other at the ankles and saying it's right. your fault. So nothing's settled at this point. If things are just if things are made aware of, and people are moving on a next step yes. at the state level now. What happened with the residents who 
obviously want something done because they have all kinds of stuff in their yard. I mean, it's like cottonwood. It's like snowing. I mean, even the, like their pool filters. Oh, oh, what if this happened to me? Scott with a pool filter. Their pool filters were clo- cottonwood clogs your pool filter heavily. So this is the same stuff. I mean, it was just clogging, but... I mean, people were talking about, you know, can you put a fence up? Well, the property owner tried putting a, a really bad one-sided fence up. A fence isn't going to do anything. Things blow. Nobody's heard of wind. Why, why did he even do this in the first place? That was a dumb move. Second, and then people were talking about, well, well what can the city do? Does the city have machines that can help? Then they talked about, well, can there be a controlled burn? Can the fire department get training at the same time we try to get rid of? Because well, they, the they want this gone now. I know, but what's the negative side of a controlled burn there? Uh, again, wind. Yes. What does it do? It doesn't kill the seed. No, the, well, no, it just pops the seed off that stalk, and the heat from the fire blows it up into the air, and then it will even go further than that close-knit residential area. So you're not going to be concerned more so of, let's say, having it growing in your yard or in places that you don't want. You're going to have that in your filtration systems in your houses. I mean, you know, air conditioning units, things of that nature. The other interesting point was in one of the areas uh, on one side of the road there is a condo association. The reason why they're in a condo is they don't want to do lawn work. They don't they, want to they have don't anything have to do with They said they, they do don't. not have tools. They don't own the lawnmower anymore. They yes. don't own the rakes. They don't own it. You so know. they're looking for a lot of help. Yeah. And we do know foxtail barley, you said, A, technically is in the grass family, did it's I hear It's the grass, you say? yeah. So it is a pollen. It's, it's a very moderate allergy-causing type of pollen. Agreed. So, what else do we know about this? Besides, the barbs are rev- the barbs. The, the barbs are the biggest. Yeah, they they are reversed. It's kind of like the backwards motion of a of a fishing hook, meaning they got a barb in it. So you try to pull it out, it's going to rip. Right, it, and it's designed by nature to attach itself to, let's say, a critter walking through the field or your pants or whatever. It it's like burrs that are attaching themselves to your, you know, your dog skin. Do you ever or hair? Do you ever try to get that out of the dog? Oh, I had a husky in the woods and the, he used to get burrs on him all the time. He'd just sit there and start picking. Yeah. I mean, but that that's part of it. Well, these these barbs that are part of the foxtail that for so I'll, I'll go with intelligent design, man, because this is how they basically spread the wealth. The seed is going to be spread by the barb that is not going to be allow itself to be taken off of clothing or fur or anything else of that nature. And if it gets in, when you separate that and it floats in the air and it gets into the olfactory system of a dog, it's almost impossible to get out. Um, you don't want this in your lungs. Let's not limit it to dogs, too. I mean, it, to people. it eventually will get cats, dogs. Even, so even the, even the cattle... In my homework that I did on this, like the cattle that graze on this grass before it seeds, they get issues once it becomes seed too. Um, their noses and all that, they have issues. They, they get the issues. They get, you know, you got Jimson weed, you got all sorts of others that are, that are there that are toxic. I mean, you even have, look, you're going to be in a farm field. There's another one that's called a blister beetle. Why do they call it the blister beetle? It loves lawns now if you're going to go out there and have your lawn treated. Because it goes out usually in autumn, late August, first part of September. 
ugly. Its ass is huge. It's black. It goes and meanders through the grass. But as the animals are eating at their their grazing fields or prairies, they bite into this. This thing, it, it basically secretes a toxin, and it causes blisters on the cow. But if your children are out there playing on the grass and bump into it, it's going to be a painful, very painful, um, I would say excruciatingly painful blister or blisters that only a physician would be able to take care of. But that's part of moving again into God's country or the farm fields. Right. More, or, more, or the cattle fields, yeah. More, more painful than the bee sting I got last night? I, I'm not commenting on that one. He's got an ouchie, folks. So, <laughs> yeah. It hurts. It does. It does. <laughs> Sucker. Um, and Mike, so we talked about these residents looking for a way to get rid of it. Like right now, it, once it's seeded and in the air, you're not going to get rid of that. But the grasses in the area, what will work, Mike? It's, it's, a, it's a damned if you do and damned if you don't scenario. Yeah, they've, they've thought of all these mechanical ways of going about and controlling it from the controlled burn to using, um, you know, leaf pickup equipment. Uh, liabilities on both of those are going to be, you know, heavily on to the city of, uh, itself. You can also, there's a product out there, it's called glyphosate, um, which generally is Roundup, but you spray that and t it, temperatures have to be of a certain degree. Uh, it has to be drier outside. It can't be wet. Um, for it to be applied properly, and you got to be licensed to apply this stuff. Well, but, that's the other thing. Yeah. And we were talking about city council meeting. They were like, well, down the road, Farm Z doesn't have this problem. And it's like, well, wait a minute. And, and Mike brought up a great point when we were discussing this pre-recording, that maybe that guy doesn't have a license to do that. If he doesn't have a license, he can lose a lot. Yeah. By not. So then it comes back in this scenario back to the owner of the land to find somebody with a license and to apply and to clean this up. Ultimately, it's the 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 owners, the, the landowner's responsibility to make sure that this is controlled. Now, how long have they owned this property? I don't know. It could have been 20, 30, 40 years. This is the first time that this has happened. Is it going to happen again? I don't know. But being that it's a perennial the state employee came up and checked it out. Watched the crown activity, which means the growth horizontally on the ground and rhizomaceous activity from the root. Um, he's concluded that this is multiple years that this has been growing and not been controlled. So this is a unique situation right now. Yeah. So the point of the show is really for us gardeners. Hey, I include myself as a gardener. I, th I think yeah, that's okay now. Yeah, you are now. This is year number three. You can, you Thank can you. call yourself that. Thank you very much. Producer gardener extraordinaire. Rookie gardener. Third year. <laughs> He's got his stripes. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's all I have is stripes and bee stings. Anyway, um, but for you guys, everybody out there listening, is go educate yourself on Foxdale Barley. Learn what it's doing up here. And then, you know, so you can avoid it in your neck of the woods and, and figure out if, if it is there, how you guys can, you know, approach the issue, you know, maybe just at a local level at the beginning. It, it may be as simple as talking to, let's say it is on a farm field. You talk to that farmer and saying, hey, I kind of noticed what, do you do something about that? Or, you know, and, but if you have to, then you got to move up the, 
the chain. Knowing that there are limits, Scott, I mean, you can only apply product. Let's say the farmer owns his own property, and there's a house that's built right there on that the, the edge of that property. The farmer cannot spray or apply any products to his property with an X amount of feet. So there's a limit. I mean, he can't go beyond that. So, or she. Now, in this case, what you said is far communicate maybe with the farmer. You got questions. There's an extension. Pick up the phone, contact your cooperative extension, look it up in your county, and then ask them. They'll get back with you if they're not able to answer the phone. Leave a message. I want to know what this is. There's a number of things that can be on your property that you can control. I'm not going to ask you to pull it if it's really toxic. If it's toxic like poison ivy, oh, no, don't pull it. I don't care if you're allergic to it or not. Don't burn it. I don't care. It's going to go up into the air and spread its little spores all over the place. So in this case, ask someone who knows. We've been placing emphasis on this forever. Contact the Cooperative Extension and contact your council. But this one has injured people and loved ones and living critters. Um, I think it would be wise to see if the state does have the opportunity to reconsider putting this on the uh, noxious weed list um, because of this scenario. It can create a problem. And it is something that should be controlled. I have to place emphasis on control. You're never going to be able to totally eradicate this. So any of the people that are in the city itself want this totally eradicated, that's going to be impossible, especially if it is in an area what used to be farmland and open prairie or pasture. It can blow in. It can come in from other critters. It can germinate. And we won't even notice it for about three to five years like we're doing right now. And then it'll end up, you know, cooking again. And the other thing you can do as a, a responsible gardener, I know this could become a problem, but I'm going to be a responsible person and I'm going to take care of it before government comes in and tells me to take care of it. Or my boss comes in and it becomes, you know, some mandated thing on the books. Well, it looks like we're getting to the books in this case, which not necessarily a bad thing, but as a, as a gardener, and as a person driving around and looking at other gardens and stuff, you know, if you happen to identify this stuff, you know, maybe you mention it to somebody and just and say, say, you hey, know, why don't you take care of this right now? You can yeah. go to your local garden center and get this glyphosate, which is known by the name of a number of different names, but one of them is Roundup. And you can, which is giving it a bad name, but sometimes right. you got to go, you know, antibiotics instead of just the basic, you know, aspirin. I think, I think right have. now the only thing that we should bring to people's attention, the people that moved to this outer suburb are work, wanted a place that they can raise their families in, in nice, peaceful solitude. Or safety, retire. And retire. I mean, as well. And what they're, when they moved away, this is something totally different, and they're afraid of it. And I can understand the fear. Just understand that if we set a precedent right now, that can cause some other problems later on down the line. Let's see if it gets onto the noxious weed list. If it does, so be it. Who's going to be responsible taking care of it anyway? Right now, the homeowner or the owner is responsible of the property. They're responsible for whatever noxious weeds that they have on that property itself. So, you know what? Nothing's really going to change. It's just that they're going to add the name noxious to it. Hmm. We're scratching our heads right now, but 
yeah, we would normally we would recommend certain things on if you live in the city proper, uh, crabgrass is going to be the only problem, or Japanese beetles is going to be the problem, or bagworm is going to be the problem. Well, right now we're running into unique scenarios. You're in farm country. Guess what the farmers have? They had different problems also. And contact city council or your council representative, as these people have too. They've gone through the proper channels, and they're basically going to get permission to do things that are unique and different other than something that's going to be off the hip, okay? I, I mean, I was ready to pounce on this problem of, you know, whiny people, but— now they Man, got a legitimate it, question and concern. Exactly. It, it's. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm just saying I was just expecting it to go, you know, from zero from to 100. Yeah. And it doesn't need to go. You can solve problems at 20%. Yeah. I mean, it, and not cause other issues. So I'm very impressed with how this has all been handled yeah. by everybody from more or less even the residents, which, I mean, they're still a little hot-blooded, and I get. I would be too, but— Hey, and look, you know, politics takes time. Well, and you know what? The last thing that the homeowner or let's say the, the, the citizens there want to do is play politics. Right. They want action. Let's give let's get the action. They did the proper thing. They addressed it with council and council went directly to the state. But now this wheel is starting to turn. Well, you have to be realistic about that, too. Does government work fast? No, but even this, maybe this once, is Mother Nature. Yeah. And there's only so much you can do. We used to call it an act of God yeah. also. Yeah. Well, the insurance companies still <laughs> they do. They still do. So, I mean, liabilities here, let's go that direction. So, what do you say, Scott? I say we just learn from all of this and spread the word before the barley seeds spread themselves. All right, everybody, we'll be back uh, in August. Well, it is August. It's August already. Yeah. Well, um, we'll be back, and we got some pretty special things lined up, too. So once you hear this one, maybe share it with the rest of the people that you happen to be uh, informed, and uh, they're not. And when you inform them, you're going to be more informed than they are, right? Bingo. See ya. <laughs>